This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by Intercontinental San Francisco Hotel. They are situated in downtown San Francisco. Their hotel is walking distance to premium shopping and dining with San Francisco's best entertainment and nightlife just steps away. They are proud sponsors of our podcast world tour and are actually hosting our podcast in San Francisco. So if you're traveling to the game in the Bay Area for the game against Club America, make sure to come out to our podcast in San Fran as well. It is the day before and it'll be at the Intercontinental. Book your spot in the show notes and do it uh, by Friday because after Friday, the prices go up. So if you're going to the podcast in Las Vegas and San Francisco, we're doing two in those two cities respectively. Vegas is a couple days before. Uh, make sure to book your spots to both of those shows ASAP in the next two days because prices go up and we want you to get locked in Book your spot and it also helps us plan logistics if you do that. The link to book your spot is in the show notes. Coming up is a podcast about Real Madrid's social media growth, why it's grown, how much it's grown, and also why Real Madrid are rating Atletico's youth system, the reasoning behind it, and it it goes down pretty deep actually beyond that. So enjoy it. It's with Ewan McTeer. It's been a while since he's been on the podcast. And as always, we'll get started with Ray Hudson and Derek Ray. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Great podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. All right, welcome to the Managing Major Podcast. We got Ewan McTeer here for the first time in a long time. I'm not sure exactly when it was that we had him on. I assume it was maybe some post-game Champions League show. I know you and Ed were on for a couple of those crazy comebacks. And mm. now fast forward, it's mid-July. And Ewan's back. We brought him on. I'd like to have Ewan on like weekly if I can. So I got to talk to him off air about about that aspect of it. But Ewan, welcome back. How's your summer going? No, it's been good. Yeah, you're right. Since I think Champions League final week, there's not been a, not been too much going on. Um, few players signed, and then Real Madrid. That's it. Done. Business is done. <laughs> we got a couple of players in the door, and we're we're pretty much finished. So not been a lot to talk about. But for me, I'm I'm enjoying it. Good to good to have a summer for once. Is it just like unbearable heat in Madrid right now? Well, it really is. I was at the uh, coast over the weekend and at least there you get a breeze and then coming yeah. back to Madrid, it's like 40 degrees, just dry. Just um, In fact, it tells me just now. Actually, it doesn't tell me on the computer the temperature thing. It's just got a thermometer saying uh, temperature warning, which is covering up the actual... <laughs> just uh, warning, oh, don't go outside. It's flashback, 38 degrees now. So um, yeah, maybe a good thing there's no football right now in Madrid. And when there is, when the season starts, I think... All the games will be kicking off at about 9 or 10 p.m. because no way you can run in this heat at about 20 past 7. I wish uh, I wish we had games in 40 degree heat instead of the cold, the cold uh, Bernabeu. It was like from like, mm. I swear like every game is just freezing. So I kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to a 40 degree game. I don't think I'll get it. Probably won't be there till a game in September. I mean, I but... think the journalists would like a, a nice, you know, warm game, a little bit of air conditioning, but the players, I think, uh, <laughs> I think they prefer those cold January nights. <laughs> That's true. I would like just room temperature, you know, normal, like not mm. freezing, not scorching, just 
room temperature. Give me 15 degrees Celsius. I'll be okay with that, I think. Um, right. We're going to talk about a couple things today. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about Real Madrid's uh, breakage, for lack of a better word, of the pact of non-aggression uh and whether that is even the correct uh way to put it which we'll we'll break down in a second and also some social media stuff which uh you brought to my attention i think is a really good topic as well so why don't we start with i think the the best place to start is like clarifying what was the initial pact because i think a lot of people when they saw us going for some of the youth players in atletico's youth system were like Oh, well, this was broken a while ago because we signed Teo Hernandez. Um, clarify that aspect of it. What was the original pact? Yeah, so, I mean, it goes back to the 2010-11 season, this uh, non-aggression pact. And this isn't necessarily between the first teams, even though um, there have been very few transfers between the first teams in that time. That's more of a coincidence. But this is a, a pact that they had between the academies because, as you can imagine, Madrid so many um, good footballers come through in Madrid and these are the two biggest clubs in the city so um, for them to be going after the same players for them to be fighting over every single player contract uh, was maybe not the best idea it all kind of started as well with one um, particular transfer that of uh, Ivan Saiz in, um, back in those days and he moved well he was in Real Madrid he moved to Atletico and he moved back and it was just it kind of created a bit of tension and the directors at the time, which actually are a lot of the same ones who are uh, at those two clubs now, um, decided it made more sense if, if they decided when a player is already in one of the academies, um, they leave them be. They're going to recruit, of course, as hard as they can, but once they're in an academy, uh, leave them be. Um, and it kind of worked. It seemed kind of more, more sustainable, I think. Um, you know, you're not... Um, at risk and it can work both ways as well because players who move between have different reasons for wanting to move maybe the Atletico Academy is closer to their uh, part of uh, where they stay in Madrid maybe Real Madrid's uh, have a, a sister club in, in a region um, a little bit outside of Madrid that maybe suits them better things like this so it worked for a while um, but now the kind of relationship has, has deteriorated for a few reasons I guess we'll get into and now after 11 years um, they've broken up a bit like uh, Piqué and Shakira this is maybe like the second uh, most high profile uh, breakup that we've been covering on Marca this uh, this summer as Atletico and, and Real Madrid's uh, uh, splitting up after, yeah, since about tw- uh, 2010-11 season and now they finally um, are breaking up and the first player um, uh, that they're moving this right back, 15 years old, uh, Jesus Fortea is the, the sort of headline that I'm sure a lot of people have read um, but he's just going to be the first there's going to be a few um, going both ways. So that's int- so you said both ways so... Mostly one way I think, um, but still I think both ways, kind of like I said for I think there's reasons why some players in the Real Madrid Academy would also want to move to the Atletico Madrid one um, because at that age it's it's a lot of reasons, much more to do than uh, which club you support, which uh, team you think will win the Champions League a lot of it can also come down to uh, do Atletico have a, an academy closer to the family home? Do uh, Are there more uh, better coaches at that level are there uh, is there do you play goalkeeper and uh, at your level in Real Madrid there's already two really good goalkeepers so I think there'll be some movement both ways but I think it will mostly go to Real Madrid because of course um, they're the bigger club they should have better opportunities and um, if you're a, a player in the Atletico Academy and you're offered a good 
opportunity, prospects, path to the first team by Real Madrid, you might consider it. Well, it's inter- it's an interesting conversation because uh, I initially felt like, as you said, this is going to be mostly one-way traffic where it's like Real Madrid will just go to every youngster and their families and be like, hey, want to play for Real Madrid instead of Atletico? And a lot of them, I think, will be like, yeah, I mean, Fortea reportedly jumped at this and it was like a no-brainer for him. And I wonder how many kids are in that same mindset. But I, And I was talking to Matt about this on the podcast recently where I said, like, I just don't think Atletico will have the same power on Real Madrid's youth system the way that it'll be the other way. But he said some interesting things, and I actually think he actually talked me into the alternative perspective in that I don't know necessarily how it will function at the youth level, but there's a lot of Castilla players who won't make it at Real Madrid but will want to stay at the, in the city. And Atletico was a great place for them, to be honest, you know, Obviously, I'm I'm speaking as in a more as a more objective human being and not as a Real Madrid fan in the situation where like this happened with Marcos Llorente where yeah. he didn't want to move cities, he wanted to go to a big club, play Champions League football, and it was a natural transition for him. He just went to Atletico. I think there's going to be a lot of players like that. Um, off the top of my head, Juan Fran kind of fits that bill where it's like. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to start at Real Madrid. And I don't really even know the timeline of when he came up, to be honest now, of who even was the right back for us at that time. But whatever the case, Atletico gave him a shot. Why not? I think there's going to be a lot of players like that. Um, but that may be a separate discussion because this is this pertains more to like the youth youth system and maybe not necessarily players who have already gone on loan and, and broken to the first team. But um but well, yeah. That's a good point because, well, you started the conversation by mentioning Teo Hernandez. And for me, that's a separate issue because he was already sort of at the B team level, breaking into the first team. And, you know, he's already, um, I think at that point, over 18 years of age. It's a different kind of uh, situation. That one, the same as Llorente, he's already a, a professional player at that point. Um, these are slightly different situations. And I even think when it comes to Castilla and Atletico B, I think it'll be different as well. Um, I think when you look at this example of um, the first mover, he's 15 years old. I think it's that kind of level we're talking about. And I think it does go down to a lot of, you know, individual um, circumstances, you know, family circumstances. You mentioned one friend. I mean, so many of the Atletico players, maybe not so much now, but if you go back even three or four years ago, so many of the Atletico Madrid players had a past at Real Madrid. You had Felipe Luis as well. You had Saul. Um, Saul was one case who went directly between them. Um, as a youth player. Um, his reason for leaving was he got bullied in the Real Madrid Academy. He was going to go home back to Elche, where he's from. Um, one of the coaches at, at his age level at the Real Madrid Academy, he switched to Atletico at the same time and said, why don't you come here? There's a place for you. That's a very specific, very human, very um, uh, family, personal kind of circumstance. And I think these are the kind of circumstances that will make players think to go this way or that way. I think you're right that when you, it's a good word you use, I think, when you say power. I think Real Madrid have the power. They have the pool um, to attract players when you think about the bigger picture, how far can you go, the ceiling is higher at Real Madrid, all of these things. But I think when you do get down to the age level we're talking about, 15 years old or younger, um, for these kind of players, a lot of the reason for wanting to go to one academy or another is at this point, it's still not really about the first team of Atletico versus the first team of Real Madrid. It's about very specific um, individual circumstances, such as where the family home is, what academy your brother might be in, 
where you're bullied? Is there a coach you really like who's moved and tells you to come? These kind of very specific circumstances that I think um, anyone who's, you know, lived in a big city where there's been multiple clubs like this understands this because I think this happens not just in Madrid, it happens in in many cities and maybe we'll, we'll get onto it in a little bit, but it's been this way in Barcelona for, for a long time. There's been no aggression pact there, uh, no non-aggression pact there, <laughs> which I guess is a double negative. So there's been an aggression pact in Barcelona between <laughs> Barca and Espanyol for years and um, it seems to work. You know, there's a few issues with football. It seems to work pretty well there where uh, kids go to Espanyol's academy or Barca's academy and they move between them for a number of different reasons that aren't to do with, um, you know, maybe a kid leaving Barcelona goes to Espanyol not because they weren't good enough to make it a Barca, but because specific circumstances at Espanyol suit them better. I think it'll be the same in some cases with players moving from Real Madrid to Atletico, but I do think it'll be... Um, uh, mostly Atletico to Real Madrid because of, like you say, that power, that pool. This might be a bit of a strange question, and I don't know if there's any proof either way, but I guess I'm just asking for your opinion <clears throat> and your feeling on the subject. How much of these signings that are happening now, like with Forte and whoever else follows suit, do you think are a matter of like just scouting and we need that guy, that guy is super talented, and how much of it is, let's just piss these guys off and just get a bunch of random players? I think you're right. I think down the line it could become, we really have a, a lack of a conveyor belt at right back. We need to go get someone. I'll let it go have someone. Let's do it. Um, it might also be, let's go piss them off. But I think right now we're not at that stage yet because this is the first one. In the specific case of Fortea, um, his agent, uh, Tony Munoz, doesn't really get on very well with Atletico. He's reported, reportedly been trying to move him from Atletico for a while. So um, that's maybe one of the reasons where uh, this has kind of come about. And I think the agents had a big role to play here, maybe initiating this a little bit. And it's maybe been as much the player offering himself through his agent uh, to Real Madrid as much as Real Madrid deciding we should go and get this player because I think um, Real Madrid, uh, I think the, the non-aggression pact doesn't make sense for Real Madrid anymore. But I think if they could avoid it, if they have two options and they don't have to um, frustrate and annoy and, and piss off Atletico yet, they would avoid it. But I think this is a player who was half presented to them, half a player that they liked and knew. And I think how, that's how this first specific um, patient zero has kind of come about. But I think in the future, there'll be a million different reasons for players moving, such as, you know, um, proper scouting and um, uh, and Real Madrid deciding and, and specifically targeting certain players in the Atletico Academy. I don't think this first example or the next couple are because of that, but that could happen down the line for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think it's also a matter of market opportunities where, like, mm -hmm. as you said, right back situation, it's really unclear what's going to happen when Carvajal moves on or even gets mm -hmm. injured. You know, there's a mishmash of options, Lucas Vasquez or Drizola, uh, not that exciting. Uh, so I think it's just also they're stockpiling at that position with whoever is talented, regardless of where they're from, Vinicius Tobias, Fortea. They have a kid, Alejandro Jimenez, who's a little bit younger. And hopefully for, I think their perspective is like, you know, we did this with the midfield and the wingers. We just brought in a bunch of talented kids. Some of them were good enough. Some of them weren't. Some One of them became star. Maybe two of them will become a star. Maybe one of these right backs will become awesome. And we'll see what happens yeah. there. Um, there was also a report in Marca recently that 
there was an analyst, right, that Arbeloa, I think, is friends with. And Arbeloa obviously coaches one of the youth teams in Real Madrid. I think it's Juvenil, uh, but I'm not entirely sure which one it is. Um, and he is friends with this analyst who is reportedly disgruntled at Atletico. Do we know anything about that? Is there any updates on that? No, I mean, about this specific case, I don't know if he, if this analyst is, is going to move, jump ship or whatever, but it wouldn't surprise me because in general this happens a lot. Even um, as much as there's been the non-aggression pact between the players in the academies of Real Madrid and Atletico for over a decade, there hasn't really been with coaches. It's normal for coaches to move between the, uh, the academies. Analysis too, I suppose, I can't think of any specific examples, but I'm sure analysis moved between the two clubs as well. So um, that doesn't surprise me either. But with the with the players moving now as well, with everything uh, being a free-for-all, it wouldn't surprise me if there's more um, professionals, coaches, analysts to move between the clubs as well. Um, I don't think that means Arbelo is going to Atletico's Academy anytime soon. But um, coaches who have no loyalty, you know, if there's a better offer and, you know, and the way academies work, you know, and if you can get a better coach, that's going to improve, you know, maybe 15 players instead of just signing one. Yeah, I often also think about that a lot of these rivalries, while they obviously exist, mm. there's not that much bad blood between the players. So, like, you know, yeah. it's not like, you know, a player like Marco Llorente goes to Atletico, like, hated, and, like, he has friends there. And it's like, you know, we have examples of, you know, I was recently doing a, an article, uh, a segment in my book about Bern Schuster and how he went to Atletico. There's so many players who have gone between Atletico and Real Madrid. It's actually absolutely yeah. crazy, whether through direct paths or indirect paths. Um, is there anything about this particular subject that you want to discuss that we haven't hit yet? Um, yeah, I mean, if you look back, just um, just to bring up what probably the, the most high-profile example that we haven't mentioned yet, which was Raul, which was way back yes um in the 90s this is this is the most high profile example of one of the players moving between the clubs um but back then it was um it was one year rolling contract um you know, raul every year they had to negotiate for him to stay the same with other players and at that time real madrid were so much bigger um that it was you know his father was even an atletico fan but his father wanted to take him to uh, to real madrid and because he was essentially a free agent um that was possible uh then Atletico shut down their academy and there's a whole, um, you know, two decades of trying to play catch up and get back to a point where their academy is good. I think they're almost there. I think they're um, getting back to the level where their academy can be as as good as Real Madrid's um, after <laughs> shutting it down for half a decade. Um, but the thing to keep in mind is, is most players nowadays have contracts of multiple years. So it's not going to be as easy as just take a player who you like, convince him to come. Raul... Um, was a free agent at that kind of point. There's going to be many players who move because their contract runs down. They have no um, allegiance to Atletico or Real Madrid contractually anymore, and it's easy to do. But a lot of these players do have multiple-year contracts. It's impossible to have a contract more than three years if you're under 18. FIFA only allows you to have contracts of, of up to three years. Um, but a lot of players do have that. So it's not going to be as easy as, as just pinching players when the, their contracts are up because, and now that this pact has been broken, I imagine Atletico and Real Madrid as well, to some extent, will try and protect themselves by trying to get three-year contracts, which is the maximum uh, in more cases than not. Yeah, Jesus Gil uh, shutting yeah. down the academy has to be like one of the most pivotal moments in Spanish football history because it basically was the main reason Raul went to Real Madrid and yeah. the rest is history. Like, imagine if that never... If he didn't shut down the academy, would, would Raul have just 
continue at Atletico and change the entire course of both teams. Uh, it's crazy to think about. It's a fork um, in the road moment. It's, um, yeah. it's you know, there's there's a very good book about all that um, <laughs> uh, Atletico era on um, on when they, they shut down the academy and trying to come back and they just in time, just in time, opened it and got things up and running um, to get Fernando Torres. Otherwise, he could easily have gone to Real Madrid because there wouldn't have been an academy for him. So Crazy. one of the most ludicrous decisions when I wrote that that book about Atletico, I spoke to the sporting director at the time, Ruben Cano, and he was just, he just couldn't believe what a decision they'd made. And, you know, he was someone who, as a sporting director for the whole club, he really cared about the academy. And um, he told me he went to his first ever bullfight um, to try and keep uh, Raul, to try and convince him to stay because his father loved bullfighting. Um, so he went along just to have the chance to sit next to his father and try and convince him to, to stay and in the end it meant nothing because there was no academy to try and um convince Raul to stay for so that that says a lot about where Atletico were in the mid-90s and until I would say the late late 2000s trying to recover from that and now you look at it you see some of the youth league games and you know they can go sort of um toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe with Real Madrid at an academy level now um which is another one of the reasons why I don't think it makes sense for for Real Madrid to continue this pact. It started in 2010-11 uh, when Atletico were, this is before Simeone, this is when Atletico are, you know, uh, the fourth, fifth, sixth best team in Spain most years. Um, Atletico have come a long way and become more of a rival in, in first team level, but also, of course, at the same time at academy level. So um, I think Real Madrid have just kind of got to the point where they think, why are we doing this anymore? Um, the, two, the two reasons given um, that I've seen a lot in the Spanish press are, are for Real Madrid deciding to break the pact are not given the guard of honour after Real Madrid won the league at the Wanda and what happened with the Frente Atletico in if you remember the youth league game uh, a few months back uh, at Valdebebas where um, there was chanting there was insults at the players this is you know 19 year old players and the Atletico Ultras uh, made a bit of a mess there uh, I don't think that's the reason for breaking this pact I think that's a, a nice juicy story for the for the press to sell, but I do think it's it's not helped. And I do think Real Madrid have just reached a point thinking, why are we still doing this? In 2010, maybe it made sense. In 2022, it doesn't anymore. The banner was also mentioned as a reason, right? The banner... All that, yeah, all that kind of era, yeah. Yeah. Uh, era, like the last few weeks of the season, yeah. all these kind of um, back and forth and um, the way Atletico reacted to uh, the end of the league. But remember, when uh, the Atletico directors, I don't think, acted in... Uh, in that kind of way to, to Real Madrid and there is a good relationship there between you know Florentino Perez, Cerezo, uh, Miguel Angel, Gil Marín so um, I don't really think that's the prime reason um, but I don't think the uh, the way the fans reacted was uh, would have helped. Uh, we should definitely just make a rule where it's like no one is allowed to get butthurt about not getting a guard of honor not us not Atletico not Barca nobody like if you if a team wants to do it no problem. If a team doesn't want to do it, no problem. We should just make a rule right now. Like this is when when it's twenty years from now, and we're we're doing a podcast about uh, Fortea's uh, farewell ceremony when he's the captain of Real Madrid after you know four Champions Leagues, and he's gone down as one of the best right backs ever. And um, we should go back to oh, this all started because uh, <laughs> Atletico didn't give a guard of honor in the match day thirty six or whatever it was. <laughs> that's a great that's a great uh, timeline for Real Madrid fans if uh, if that happened. We should, maybe they'll give you they'll give him a star outside the Wanda for his youth team days. Forte. I mean, the way they give the stars is like, what is it? If you make a hundred appearances, I mean, they give them out. I think I might even have a star outside the Wanda. <laughs> they give them out to everybody. I mean, come on, he probably does have a star. Yeah. Um, 
can we go back to Jesus Gil for like one second? And the, Always. Um, it was for financial reasons, right? They were trying to cut costs. Yeah. He thought um, he didn't realize, he didn't know or understand why they were spending so much money on the academy, even though any academy, like you can make an absolute profit by selling one good player. Like, like they did with Torres. Torres, uh, basically, the transfer fee they got from Liverpool for Torres would have paid for all those years of yeah. not having an academy. You know, yeah. one good player. I mean, academies are are the most profitable area of football, pretty much. You know, yes. Yeah. Um, all you need is one good player, and it's it's absolutely worth it. Well, that's why it's a shocking, re- shocking reasoning. Because if anything, that's the part of the. It's shocking, but with Faisal Sale, nothing was shocking. So, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, that's true. Um. The All right. Brought, uh, the guy brought a crocodile to the stadium one day. I mean, come on, this guy. Yeah. A what? A crocodile. <laughs> really? I missed yeah, that. To the press area. Maybe a little pet crocodile. Jesus Hill is a whole book in itself. Like it's um, like it was like Doctor Evil. Like he brought him. He started petting him in the in the. Pretty much, he had a, he had this crocodile on like a lead, like as if it was a dog. You know, brought Incredible. it into the press area. Said he was going to set it on the journalists. You know, Jesus Hill. If you if you don't know, just the old president of Atletico from. Uh, 87 on to about the early 2000s when um, uh, he was in prison about three times. There's there's a really good book called Salvaje um, about his just his whole story. He you know was a politician in Marbella as well and uh, crazy times. This was a time when every La Liga club had a crazy president. Now it's all it's all quite boring. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, it yeah it can be can be interesting when we get into the Nasra Khalifis and all those people. But true true yeah. Um, by the way, we should uh, talk about books and stuff. Everyone should go read Ewan's book, Hijacking La Liga. If you're interested in this entire subject, Ewan, uh, Ewan actually wrote a book about it. So Hijacking La Liga, go and order it on Amazon or wherever you want to get your books. Uh, social media. Hmm. Yeah. No, this was, we were looking for things to talk about in the off season. And this kind of struck me. I was writing about this uh, last week and this struck me as a bit interesting that um, just the way Real Madrid's Social media evolved a lot over last season. Um, I'll just I'll give you a few numbers just to start off. Um, it grew total number of followers grew from two hundred ninety million to three hundred thirty four million. That was forty five more million uh, in one season, which grew for sixteen percent. That was the most new followers of any La Liga club. Their engagement, which is number of replies, comments, shares, went from one point two billion to two point four billion. So literally doubled. Um, and in part, the reason for it, I think there's two reasons. One was that Real Madrid um, increased the number of times they post uh, on social media by 52%, which was the most by far of any La Liga club. Overall, La Liga clubs posted 10% more times last season than the year before Real Madrid. So Real Madrid did 52% more times, um, which kind of just really stood out to me as, as a real change in strategy. And then also the, the not just the quantity of posts, but the quality I think has really changed over the last year of just it's a bit more personal, a bit more fun, a bit more funny. And you're seeing the results are are going up like crazy. And apparently Adidas and uh, Emirates are absolutely delighted with this. And that's going to translate into uh, greater bargaining power down the line for sure. That's very interesting. Um, so I will speak from personal. Res- I mean, this is a great lesson to with everyone listening. Like, what like- have you noticed just like seeing the posts last season? I mean, last season, of course, you know, you win the Champions League, you win La Liga. There's a lot of posts that are going to get likes because it's, you know, full-time, we won the Champions League. But it's also just, it seems like the the tone and the content has really changed. Yeah, it has. Um, so it used to be a little bit too robotic and 
soulless, if that makes sense. It didn't feel like there was a human behind it. It felt like just posting things, you know, like you could see, you would see other accounts like Roma, for example, or Wolfsburg or Dortmund. Uh, um, I'm sure other clubs who were doing a good job. It, it there was some humor behind it. They would in, they would make it interesting. With Real Madrid, just like news, simple, political, but the tone has changed quite a bit, and there's a little bit more humor involved. And I mean, you and I know personally too the main people who run it, and they're lovely people, and you know them even better than I do. But you know, I'm sure they're doing great work. But the one thing that I really enjoyed, and it had really, it wasn't even like a tone thing that, or like a humor thing that they added to it. But one thing that they added recently, and have they've been doing it a lot, that I personally enjoy and I actually consume a lot, is when they go and put historical videos up like montages of great goals um against x team on or on this day or like you know if if it's uh, if we're heading into a champions league remontada situation where we need to come back the post like you can post like a clip of like all of our comebacks in the past and it's really good because like it's it's great for new fans who haven't maybe they didn't know about that side of the club but it's also I, I, I learn a lot because I'm like, oh, what's this goal from like the, the 60s that was included here? I'll go look it up and it's interesting to me. And even if I know about it, it's so fun to revisit. I mean, it's a club with a rich history. And I think they're right to just bring these to the to light and to the surface constantly. And that's, that's something that I've really personally enjoyed is the historical posts. And they've been doing it a lot. Uh, and the... Uh, the the uptick in the in the post is very interesting too. I think it's a it's probably a good lesson for anyone listening to this. Is like, how come I can't you know get my social media up? Posting more breaks the algorithm into your favor. Um, and so, yeah, post also, quality stuff. David Alaba like picking up that chair, I think, helped because um, that was the subject of about a dozen posts. Um, it's also interesting, like when you bring in the players. I don't know how much this particular thing has contributed to it, but. Vinicius Jr. has blown up quite a bit in his own personal branding. And I wonder how much, like, the bigger the stars are playing for the team also will feed into it. Like, don't like to mention his name on the podcast anymore because he is one of those who we do not speak of. But if Mbappe had arrived, I'm sure that number would have increased, like, whatever percentage as well, right? So, but no, it's, I mean... It's like the it's a it's a great testament to the social media team. Yeah, for sure. I, I it's a really interesting subject actually. Yeah, because usually this all these jumps we, you're bringing up and bringing all these numbers up they're correlated with like signing a a big player. You know, yeah. um, usually when Ronaldo moves around, the team he leaves loses followers. The team he joins gains the followers and all the traffic. Uh, you know, we know this firsthand at Managing Madrid, what that was like losing him and losing his site visits from all his fans and then the Juventus site gaining them all. So it's it's really interesting that they were able to do it without necessarily like bringing a new player. Um, yeah. So. yeah, I mean, this is for the 21-22 uh, season when the signing was Camavinga. Mm-hmm. That was it. So, yeah, um, no, it's uh, quite a change in, in one season. Super interesting. Um, I like to have podcasts with you because you bring up these really cool details that uh, otherwise I don't think would have appeared on the podcast because sometimes we just, it's just hard. Like if you're recording, we're like up to daily now. So uh, I can always rely on you to figure out 
talking points and all these talking points were interesting. We can so. always we can always take the off the beaten track uh, yes. debates and have them have them anytime. <laughs> yeah, we can definitely. Uh, Ewan, thanks for your time, man. This was fun. This was very informative and enlightening. So I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Thank you. No worries. All right. Before we wrap it up, we wanted to give a shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. They do so much to support the show and make it possible. And we wanted to give a specific shout out to our $10 plus patrons, because if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Wei Pering, Wamik Jamal, Umar Mahadi, Tyler Simon, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tarek Goktas. Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh, Shivam Tiwari, Sherry Soriel, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil, Shabaz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorzano, Samir Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasil Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Udaifari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas uh, Zapatero Zubiare, Nicholas Moller, Nick Ribeiro, Nelson Masariego, Muxi Thangal, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Martin Ridman, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Antakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Armin Gashi, Armando L, Anton Zwardenko, Anirud Singh, Alexi Staniseros, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin, Mahrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. Love you guys all. Take care and Hala Madrid.